Well, welcome to New Life Sunday service. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, or if perhaps uh, you just want to hear uh, what we're all about, New Life is a community that exists for the glory of God and the gospel of grace. So the gospel of grace is the good news of God's gracious choosing of us that we will be adopted as sons through his son, Jesus Christ. And so you'll hear more about that in the sermon today as well. So in love, he chose us to be his. My name is Young, lead pastor here at New Life. And if you're new to New Life, uh, welcome to the live stream. Uh, We'd love to connect with you. I believe some of the Sunday team members have already uh, said something in the chat. And I think our New Life account has even uh, given the link so that if you are new, you can sign up and you can be a part of uh, what's going on here at New Life. Um, Hopefully you were able to join with us for our fellowship event a couple of nights ago on Friday night, Um, but if not, uh, we also have Friday night prayer coming up, so do stick around and join us for that, and you can sign up for that, you can sign up for everything that we're talking about today uh, through the Linktree link uh, that you'll see at the end of the service. Now for our time of fellowship, uh, what we've been doing over the past few weeks during lockdown, or the past couple of months I should say, is we've been talking in the uh, YouTube live chat and just sharing a little bit more about ourselves. So this week, uh, what I'd love for us to do is uh, tell us about your favorite childhood memory. So if you can you know, reach back all those years, some of us a few less years, uh, to your childhood. It could be anything from maybe a snack that you loved that they no longer make, or a cartoon that you really enjoyed watching, a friend that you had that you lost touch with. Tell us about your favorite childhood memory, and I'll give us a few moments to share about that. Hopefully you've had a chance to share about one of your favorite childhood memories. I've got a a bunch of childhood memories and a part of me kind of wants to save them for other sermons to use as illustrations. I'll just share. Um, I kind of miss when I used to be able to have whatever snacks I wanted, whatever time of night, and I wouldn't have to worry about how puffy my face would look in the morning. I feel like snacks were a little bit bigger and maybe tastier uh, back in the day, but maybe I'm just getting older. My taste buds are are disappearing quickly in my mid-30s. Just kidding. Um, Why don't I hand it over to Yujin? Um, I believe she'll be reading the scripture reading for us today. So I'll pass it over to her now.
Thank you very much, Eugene, for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Um, before we get into the Word today, why don't I pray for us, and we'll dig into it. Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Word to us, God. Far from being able to be easily misinterpreted, you've given us your Word in written form, that we can always look to it, that we can always read it, and that we can always hear from you. It's amazing, Lord, that you've given this to us, Lord, that we can hear your voice at any time. We don't have to wait any longer to hear your voice, but we can look to you in your word. We pray, Lord, as we delve into your word this morning, that you would speak to us loud and clear in our hearts, God. We have so many competing distractions in our world today, and our hearts, we confess, are too weak, too easily distracted, too easily satisfied in them. So we pray, Lord, that you would stir up that dissatisfaction in our hearts, that you would remind us, Lord, through the hunger and the thirst of our hearts, that only you can satisfy. You are the food that the world knows nothing about, and you are the living water that will quench our thirst. And so we look to you in this time. We ask, Lord, as we open up the word this morning, that you would open up our ears as well, God, that we might hear you in a fresh way, that you would open up our hearts, that we might receive your love, and that our hearts might be turned to you. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week, uh, near the end of our Sunday service, um, as we approached the end of our announcement time, um, Well, you guys in New Life, you surprised us, surprised Bora and me with a gift for our baby. Um, I was very surprised when um, our ministry director for praise, Jacqueline, started approaching the stage, and it wasn't something that had been discussed, but I just thought it was another announcement. And I guess afterwards, I was quite genuinely uh, speechless. I didn't really know what to say, and so I kind of deferred back to the service order and just jump straight into the next announcement, which I think was newcomers. Um, And during that time, as Jackie was sharing and handing over a cake uh, made of diapers, she mentioned that there were words of affirmation and blessing uh, from the rest of the community on this online message board or, or a kudo board. And I got home, I didn't really know what to expect, but once we received the link to uh, this um, all these messages, you know, Bora and I read them. Um, we read them, you know, in, in separately because she was already reading them. And we were just blown away by all of your words, um, encouraged, blessed. I think Bora mentioned she was, you know, tearing up. Um, and as I was reading through, one phrase just kept sticking uh, in my mind. You know, obviously we were blessed by everyone's words. We were, uh, we laughed at some of the pictures that you guys posted as well. But the one phrase that just kept sticking out, and I'd never heard this phrase before, but several of you wrote this, so maybe it's a common one that I'm just out of touch with. But you were talking to our unborn child and you were saying, we love you so much already. You know, I'd never heard that before. We love you so much already. 
And even as I finished, you know, reading all these messages, it took me quite a while, I couldn't stop thinking about this phrase. We love you so much already. What I know just from, you know, the human side of things, when I think about our child, our son is going to be born into such a loving community. You know, he doesn't even know it. He's just in his belly, in uh, his mom's belly, I should say, you know, turning around, making her uncomfortable. And he doesn't know that he's about to be born into such a loving community. He might not really understand it for many years of his life, actually. You know, he'll grow up, he'll be, you know, five before long. He'll be 15, 30, and he probably still wouldn't understand what a loving community that he's being born into. But maybe for you guys, as the ones that are saying that you love him already, perhaps you understand that even if he doesn't understand this love, this doesn't change necessarily your love for him. This isn't the reason why you said we love you so much already. He hasn't done anything in order for you to say these things. Now we as adults, we're a little bit different. We're at a different juncture of our lives. Uh, We face a lot of the hardships, difficulties of life along the way, and perhaps we've taken on criticisms from people around us, and we can often feel a little bit beat down, a little bit unloved. And so we, I think we really need someone to say we love you so much already uh, to us, because oftentimes we look a little bit downcast, we look a little bit... um, unconfident about things. But what the Bible tells us is that despite what others say about us, despite what we might even think about ourselves, our God loves us so much already. Our God loves us so much already. He has known and loved us from even before the foundation of this world. Read with me, Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, the first part of our reading this morning. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In our passage from Ephesians, we see how the Apostle Paul who wrote this blesses God because because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And these these blessings, Paul says, come through the person of Jesus Christ. So God is worthy of our praise because he has first loved us. But the Apostle Paul, when he's writing these words, when we're reading these words, he's not intending for this to be a command to us, saying, hey, you, bless the Lord. He's not intending for that. In fact, it's actually a fact that he's proclaiming. God is blessed. This isn't a command, but a fact that he's stating. He is blessed and he is a source of blessing. Now, when we read this passage, when Eugene read this passage to us, or perhaps when we were reading this passage together, 
a strange thing might have happened where your eyes kind of glazed over. You know, it's a look that I'm often quite familiar with, unfortunately. But don't allow these words to just pass, pass by you or to pass over you that God is blessed, that he's a source of blessing, that Jesus saves. Because these are probably words that you've more, more than likely heard so many times already. If you've been at church for some time, if you've been part of this as a structure for some time, or if you've even been around some Christians for some time, you've probably heard these phrases. And so your mind might switch off. Your heart might not be moved by these things, but don't let these things pass you by. Talk to your heart this morning. Tell your heart this morning to listen to these words and be moved by them. Now let's try to get a clearer picture of what this love looks like. So if we, who are sinful, can have so much love for one who hasn't even been born yet, then how much more the love our Father God has for us. He chose us, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. So this means that he chose to forgive us already. He chose to forgive us already before we had even conceived of the sins that we're yet to commit. We all have sinned. The Bible's very clear on this. All of us have fallen short of his glory. And all of us have some sort of sin that we've lived with throughout this week. You can probably think of it right now. And perhaps there are certain sins in your life that you wonder, and am I ever gonna be rid of these things? these habitual things? Am I going to go back to these things like a dog to its vomit? Am I going to keep going back? And God has chosen to forgive us already. Now, the difference here between the way that we choose to love this unborn child, for example, and God's love for us is that we're a little bit optimistic sometimes. And we're a little bit, I guess, naive, a little bit in the dark about what the object of our love will actually be like. Think about this. It's easier now for us to love this unborn child than when he's born because he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't done anything to deserve our wrath yet. Like imagine if one day one of you who has written, we love you so much already, comes out to the parking lot you get to your car, and my son is there, seven years old, just scratching away at your car with the keys for some reason. Are you going to look at him and say, oh, I love you so much. Thank you. I really needed my car to be more aerodynamic with these key lines on my car. It's so much easier now to love this unborn child because we're blissfully unaware of what he might end up doing. Whereas for our God, he knows the ways we'll go. He knows our hearts, he knows the path we'll take, and he knows exactly what sin we'll take part in to betray him. 
and yet he chooses to love us and forgive us in Christ. So far from being withholding, our God gives everything in a saving act in Christ. And we see this by the phrase, he blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So not only is this the wiping away of all the punishment for sin that we see in his justifying us, but he has chosen to sanctify us as well. It's not just about the forgiveness, but he chooses to cause us to become holy as he is holy, for adopted into his family as sons and daughters. See, it's one thing to forgive someone. It's a whole other thing entirely to say, in fact, come and join my family. And in fact, let me disciple you. Let me walk with you for the rest of your life and help you to become better, to become more and more like me. The Bible tells us, be perfect as I am perfect. Redeemed and forgiven, we're given the knowledge of God's gracious plan in Christ for this redemption so that we're not completely in the dark about this plan either. We don't walk into darkness wondering what our life is going to look like. But the Bible actually elucidates this plan to us very clearly. And as receivers of hope, we're given the spirit to help us to persevere until the day that we are glorified. You know, looking ahead, Bora and I are we're obviously hoping and praying that we can be good parents. I don't think anyone's you know, praying that we'll be bad parents, right? But we're hoping and praying that we can be good parents, teaching and discipling our child to love the Lord and to love neighbor as himself. But at the same time, we're under no illusion. We've seen so many of our friends, uh, our families, and we know that our boy will probably grow might end up chasing after other things that catch his attention. And we've all experienced this, haven't we? This is our story. Not all of us, in fact, none of us, are perfect in chasing after God. We get distracted by all sorts of other things before we come to our senses later on. So we as children we as children of God don't know what kind of blessing that we have in him. The story of the Bible is our story as well. We chase after whatever we judge to be good in our sight until in his grace we come to our senses. So we're less than a month away from the delivery date and I've been thinking a lot about what it's gonna be like to be a father. You know, most dads around me make all sorts of jokes like prepare to never sleep again or, you know, and they make it sound so terrifying, but then some of them will say like, but it's worth it, it's worth it. And, you know, that fixes everything, right? But my deepest desire as I'm thinking about this is for my unborn son to love God. That's my deepest desire. As his father, this is my desire more than anything else, more than good grades, more than behaving in the right way, more than getting a good job or having a nice wife or a family, you know, somewhere down the track. He hasn't been born yet. I'm putting that pressure on him already, right? More than any of these things, 
that he would truly love God. That's my deepest desire. As your pastor here at New Life as well, this is my desire for you too, for each of you, more than any of the other things that I've just talked about, which can be good and nice things. More than these things that concern the majority of you and consume most of your thoughts. That you would truly love God and that this would change your heart. I pray that this is your desire for yourself as well and for those around you. And how much more if I desire these things for my child, if I desire these things for my congregation, how much more then is this desire of our Father? If we who are evil can love and desire these things so much, how much more are good, holy, and sinless God? Of course, I have a secondary desire. Um, I don't think any parents uh, don't have this desire. My second desire is that our son would love us, his parents. I don't know if this is a strange hope. You know, I don't know if, you know, perhaps the New Life families can uh, let me in on this. Do children naturally love their parents as they grow up? Like my, I don't know if they do. It's hard enough raising a pet. Like, I feel like my bunny doesn't love me sometimes, you know, but do children naturally love their parents as they grow up? But that's my hope, my desire, that our son would love us. And from this love for us, that he would enjoy spending time with us, that he'd be obedient to us even when he doesn't understand our reasoning, and that he would trust us. Do you see the connection between that and our Father in us? Our Father wants us to love him because it's for our good. And this has practical applications as well. His desire is for us to enjoy spending time with him. It shouldn't be so hard. He wants us for, for us to obey him, even when we don't understand, because he's wise. His wisdom is another level to ours. It's different from ours. And he wants for us to be able to trust him in these things. This is the Father's heart for us. Now, oftentimes we think in a, a strange, kind of disconnected way about God. Like he's there for us, just for us to run to when we need advice, or when we need to confess, or when we want to make a wish for something that's out of our grasp. But can I tell you, this isn't God. This isn't what we use God for, okay? And that's the perfect way to phrase it, use God, right? He cares more deeply about the people that we're becoming, about our character and about our hearts for him. He cares a lot more deeply about that than a lot of the other things that preoccupy us. So go to him and cultivate a real relationship with him, a relationship that enjoys him. Because he hasn't held anything back from you. And in fact, his love for you is so great that he would even give the one that he knew throughout all of eternity, his own son, 
Ephesians 1.4 says, For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Like, read this verse again and again to yourself. From when did he choose you? When did he choose you? The blessings that God has for us are past, present, and future. You being blessed, dare I say it, is destiny. So let's work backwards from where we're at today. Okay, let's work backwards from the modern day. God has chosen us, it says, and we belong to the people of God because of this. So step back with me to biblical times when we saw how God chose Israel to be his treasured possession from among all the people, not due to any sort of righteousness or choice on Israel's part, but solely because of God's grace. And we talked briefly about this in in the sermon, A Brief History of Subjugation. That was in our Easter series. But if you want to go deeper in that, read through the Old Testament and you can see how Israel acted and you can see the way that God chose Israel despite the way they acted. Go back further in the Old Testament in Genesis and we see that the people of Israel came from the bloodline of one man, Abraham, who was chosen by God. God blessed him and promised to bring blessing to the nations through him, to us through him. If we go back even further to before creation, before Genesis, imagine a time before any of this existed and all you can find there is God himself. Before the foundation of the world, he is and he has chosen us in him then to be holy and blameless in love before him. I hope that your heart is provoked to love from this. When you hear these things, when you imagine him in eternity past, before the foundation of anything that you know to be true here on earth, before the very ground that you walk on, he chose you. When you hear of his great love for you, that even in the future days that we don't know about, but he already knows that you will stand holy and blameless before him, does your heart then turn in love towards him? The alternative, does your mind wander towards, well, I guess I can just do whatever I want then. I guess I can just sin all the more, do whatever I want and everything will be fine. Because perhaps you'll be able to see the fruits of unrighteousness growing in your heart that signify that something is rotten within the roots of that tree in your heart. I love that the choice that God makes for us is made in Christ in eternity. Before time and creation, before the foundation of the world, the verse tells us we were chosen. Think about your own choice to love someone who isn't here yet. Think about it. No one is forcing you to love them. For God to choose to love us before creation, God is choosing in complete freedom and love. He's the only free being, really, if you think about it, who can choose completely freely of anything. 
but this shows it right here. There's no circumstance, nothing that we did to merit this type of love. We don't deserve it, but he chooses it anyway. His choice to love is based solely within who he is, and that should make him all the more desirable to us. That should make him all the more lovable to us. It, there's a deep expression of his grace and his sovereignty. When we can truly understand this with our hearts, then we can be assured that God our Father has only the greatest good in mind for us. And from here, praise will pour forth for the one who has blessed us. So what's the purpose of God saving us? There's always a reason for everything. So what is the purpose of salvation? Have you thought about this? What's the purpose of salvation? So often in faith, we get to this place where we can see the damage that sin has caused and then we stop there. We think about this broken relationship between God and us and we think that what's achieved by Jesus Christ's death and his resurrection is purely just repairing the damage that was done by our choice to sin. But no, we have to go deeper than this. God chose us because his original intention for humanity was to create for himself a people that were perfectly conformed to the image of his son for this family to grow. In this, his desire for us to be holy and blameless in his sight manifests. Although we were unholy and deserving of blame, he chose us at this time for he desired that we would live a life before him which is holy and blameless and lived in love. Ephesians 1, 5-6, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Our praises lift to God because he has purposed to bring us into relationship with him as his children. That was his purpose. He did this according to the good pleasure of his will because it's his joy to do good. For in him there is no evil. And if this was God's purpose, what do you think should be the purpose of our lives? To live as his children. This should be the purpose of our lives, to live as a child of God. We as humanity spend so many years trying to discover the purpose of our lives. Even as believers, we often ask God, where should we go? What should we do? Who should we marry? And if he answers in a way that we don't like, we doubt him. We doubt his goodness. Once again, it's his joy to do good. And if that's true, if it's true that the God we know is this good, if he's this loving, if he has predestined us for this very purpose, then no matter what happens in this life, we can know with certainty that he's making it all work together for our good. 
Romans 8.28 reads, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I know these are hard times. You know, I feel the two. When we're not sure what life is going to look like in the future. You know, we don't know if we're going to be able to visit family. We don't know about weddings. And then, strangely, in the immediate, we know way too well what life is going to look like day by day because it looks exactly the same, right? Get up, look at the living room, go to sleep, right? And in this, we might struggle to pray. We might struggle to see God's plan. But our God, the Holy Spirit, intercedes on our behalf, helping us to pray as we should. Verses 26 to 27 in Romans 8 read this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we can't even pray the way that we should, should we trust ourselves to decide what's good for ourselves? Like, does this make sense to you? This has been the problem since Bible times with man deciding what's good in his own sight. And we've been told again and again throughout the Bible that the real solution is to look to God's definition of what good is, because he knows better. In our times, talking about creation, we saw how God spoke things into existence and called it good. And today, we can see from our passages that what he has deemed to be good is to choose us from before the foundation of the world, according to the pleasure of his good will. We're each going through different emotions day by day. Different thoughts plague us. You might feel lethargic. You might wonder, is this ever going to end? You might decide that nothing good is coming. Can I challenge you this morning? Let these thoughts go. Let them go. Let go of your own understanding of what is good. And by good, I mean what you think to be true. Let go of your understanding of your own wisdom. God is working all things together for our good already. And his good pleasure is not only to justify us and sanctify us, but to glorify us. Romans 8, 28 to 30, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Surely, you know, we have not yet fully experienced sanctification here on earth. We don't have the fullness of sanctification yet. We struggle with our weakness and our sin daily. And we're still so far from glory. And yet God has decided already that this is what will take place. 
you will be glorified. Blessed assurance is this. God has made a decision to glorify us, which means no condemnation will stand against us. As many of you have decided to love our child, even before he's born, God has chosen you. So may it be that today you turn your heart towards him and live out your life's purpose as a child of God. Let me pray for us. Father, what a privilege it is that we can call you Father. That you choose to adopt us into your family despite our status, despite our dirtiness. You welcome us in through the front door. In fact, you sent your own son out through that front door. to find us and to welcome us home at great cost to yourself and to himself. In fact, it cost him his life and it made a way home for us. You have chosen to call us son, to call us daughter, and you have chosen to allow us to call you father. your great purpose in the salvation act is that we might live as children of God forever. So here on this earth, would you help us to live in this identity as it is in heaven? That we will not be caught up with the things of this world, seeking after whatever desires pop our way, whatever our hearts get enticed by, whatever the world tells us that we should want or need, but help us, Lord, to live as children of the eternal God, children of an eternal kingdom. Lord, sanctify our hearts that we might look more and more like your dead and risen son, Jesus. Help us to be a sacrificial people Help us to be gracious. Help us to be kind. Help us, Lord, in all the areas of our lives that we struggle to do these things. May we lay our hearts bare before you, Lord, and confess and repent before your people that we are sinful, that we are dirty, and yet we are chosen in you. And may that testimony go to the ends of this earth, to our friends and families, and indeed to our own hearts. May we be good at preaching the gospel to our own hearts, that we might know these words to be true, that Jesus Christ saves us despite who we are. And now we live forever as your children. Provoke our hearts to love today, God. Help us not to be distracted by the things of this world, but may we have our hearts fully inclined towards you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.